it's always been. We rise up to the challenge, we give the game our all. With sheer determination, we go in for the ball. Hi everybody, welcome to the Big Footy Cats podcast. Uh, my name is Willow. We are up to, I think, episode six for uh, season 2016. Um, joined by a couple of special guests tonight, uh, making his podcast debut tonight. We've got Pivo. Welcome, Pivo. Parky, thanks for having me. <laughs> Uh, I'm really happy to have you. We've tried to have you on the show a couple of times before, and it hasn't quite worked out. So it's good that it's actually happened. Um, yeah, you haven't been able to meet my pay. No, we haven't. Moment. We haven't made. You, we haven't been able to meet your demands just yet. Also, we've got joining us from the other side of the world, uh, who has subjected him to another day of pain. Well, our tomorrow um, by getting up in the middle of the night. Daz, welcome back, Daz. Good morning, everyone. It's, uh, yes, very early here. It's all going well. It's a lot closer to the time you should be getting up, though, than it was when we first actually started this phone call. Well, yeah, you know, an hour and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Who's a stupid o'clock? This is, this is the commitment Correct. we've had, people. We've had a very, very thorough pre-show production meeting. Um, yeah, I really hope it shows through. And, uh, and, and... <laughs> And we've You've also, set the bar way too high there. We've set the bar too high and we've got a lot of outtakes ready for the Black Label edition that'll be released at the end of the year. Now, as we... That one, you could, Willow, that one you, I think you could make money on. Oh, look, I'm happy. If anyone knows a sponsor, we'll send me a PM and we'll talk turkey. Um, now, on to the serious stuff, the reason we're actually doing this. Um... We have a game of football to look forward to this weekend, and we we didn't have that last weekend. Um, but first, you know, we're going to look back a bit and uh, briefly touch on our last game, which was a an incredibly annoying, frustrating, disappointing, all of the above uh, loss to the Saints. Um, I don't. I think it was. I don't even know the exact margin. Was it three points? Yeah, three points. Three I think. Points. Yeah. Um, with uh, Jack Stephen snatching a goal off the ground late to put them in front, uh, we will just briefly touch on that because everyone's probably doesn't really want to look far that far back over the last couple of weeks, and especially to look at a loss. So, Pivo, just briefly, what were your thoughts or your take from the game, um, and? Yeah, basically the way the way it all unfolded. Uh, do you want the serious answer, or do you want just the knee-jerk action? It was shit house, and I threw things at TVs. And well, that was a standard response. But then, I suppose <laughs> yeah. if we can uh, delve look, a bit deeper into it. <laughs> yeah. No. Look, um, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It was it was a pretty disappointing loss, and it was pretty baffling as well you know, we, I don't think anyone sort of went there and expected it to be a loss I know I might be I might be sort of selling St Kilda a bit short there but I reckon most of us probably expected to get up for this one um, and the fact that we once again somehow found a way to get ourselves behind early and had to try and reel them back in um, similar to I guess the Blues and the Pies, and I think even though I didn't see it, GWS was a bit like that as well, wasn't it? Uh, GWS got out, sort of. We had to try and reel them back in. Yeah, yeah. We probably started a bit better against GWS than than uh, we did against St Kilda. Than we did against St Kilda, we just didn't capitalise. But yeah, the 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 pattern for the losses is the same. Most I think. Yeah, it's definitely years. definitely a trend. Um. So yeah, uh, it's. Yeah. Look, uh, there's, there's probably been a bit of, bit of discussion about whether it's attitudinal or whether there's, you know, uh, the clubs are coming better prepared or something like that. I probably, I probably fall into the attitude a little bit. Um, you know, you, we've got a pretty good record against the top eight teams that we played, and yet 
we've managed to lose to teams that we don't expect to lose and you know this is all stuff that's obviously been discussed ad nauseum you know both on the board and in the papers but um yeah i mean what what can you say when you you let a, a team jump out that you're not expecting to and then you know we watched the saints last week against was it gold coast yeah who hadn't exactly been playing that well this year themselves and they did a bit of a number on the Saints. So, you know, attitude, I think, for me. I know. I mean, I don't know what you guys you guys think. Um, but, yeah, it's not... It, there's definitely a trend there. You know, we just seem to be a bit of bit of sleep early on in the first half and, you know, maybe we just don't quite have the polish at the moment to reel them in, um, even though we did hit the front against the Saints. So... It's a diff. It's it's. I think it just adds to the frustration when you look at the teams we've beaten and the teams we've lost to. So it has to be. It has to be something to do with the attitude. Because I can't see how you can come out and play the consistently good footy we have against the good teams, and then just not do it at all against the poor teams. And I've heard, I've seen other theories about. That the the poorer teams don't set up as um, how is it described? They don't set up as predictably, and they're, they're a bit erratic and different, and it's harder to counter and stuff. But I don't know if I agree with it that much because if that was the case, and it was that much harder, they'd be wouldn't they be beating better teams more often? Like, why is it just us? You'd think so. So yeah, that's my take on it. It just. It's frustrating. I'm I'm hoping that it's just attitude and attitude, and that it's you know out of them after another loss. But um, any any time you have was it Darren Minchington kicking three? He, I mean, from St Kilda, he did that. It was last year as well, didn't he? It, that was exactly going to be my point. Yeah, Th- thanks for crashing on that. No worries. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, two two games in a row, and and somebody that. He's a good little player, but I haven't seen a lot of him. But all of a sudden, pops up and kicks th- three or four goals, and you're like, who, who, "Why are we making him look like a superstar?" But then you go back to the Carlton game; we made Andreas Everett look like, you know, Lance Franklin because he kicked five, I think. And it's like, "Well, what's going on?" We've got this habit. Yeah, um, Mark making... was another one who got amongst yeah. it as well. So, yeah, we've yeah. got the habit of just making shit trucks just look glorious when they play us, and and. You know, it's like that's got to come back to a, either a work rate or an effort or an attitude or something like that. Um, and then once they switched on, you know, the, then you're playing catch up and you burn your tickets trying to get back. Mm. But but on the on the yeah, same, they, they, they... Oh, I was just gonna say on the, on, the, on the opposite side of that, you look at it. If if you'd said to me at the start of the year going into the buy, we'd be ten and four, and then be six and one or whatever it is against top eight sides. Getting to that point, I'd have taken that in a heartbeat. I think, I think that we there was a point made that from the last four games we played where we've had wins against North, the Dogs, GWS, and Ulster St Kilda. If you'd asked us, all would have taken three one if offered that. Oh, at the same, and if they'd said, if I think what was it? Someone said if we if we see beat North, you lose to the Doggies by three goals. You beat GWS and beat St Kilda by fifty points. Everyone would take it and are happy. But yep. just the way it's it's gone the other way, people aren't happy, and, and you, all these different questions get asked and and raised. And I think this this is the reason why you know so there's perhaps a little bit of angst on the board um, and just question marks in general over over us because you know to perform so well against such good opposition and but then to drop the games that we've dropped, you know, people were sort of saying, you know, is it maybe a bit of a soft alley to Geelong and you know, there are ways to get out a little bit you know, right from the go. I mean, you know, the Pies all have a level of intensity a bit more what they bring to other, other team threes and we always seem to struggle with it. I mean, the games we've lost against the Pies, you know, a lot of people have come away going, they're calling and Brocious and they were right in there in their own offices and they didn't give a sense that they could have inferred pressure. You know, we didn't really seem to handle that too well and, you know, against Saints, it was a bit the same. You know, Saints were switched on straight from the get-go and, you know, really were cracking and, you know, but then when they were getting the ball, they seemed the guys that were already in mission and sort of pumping the ball forward. And, you know, we're, what, four, five goals down and 
having to take into it. And when you're that far behind, to, you know, You've got no margin for error. You know, half the game's gone, and you know, if your team is down, you punch the ball forward to get in two goals, but you turn it over, they go back the other way and kick a goal. You know, all, there's all that effort's sort of almost been wiped out, and you can see guys kind of like drop their heads a little bit and think, oh, shit, you know, what do we have to do to sort of get over that hump a little bit? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I hate losing. Look, the competition is a lot closer too. It's you know, if you're two and you're playing twelve these days, twelfth is only you know maybe eight percent or ten percent outside of you know being a, a really good team. And if you roll in and you give them a head start or you give them a sniff. And exactly like you said, Pivo, they they start running forward, they start getting forward to the ball, they start breaking to the outside, um, you know, a, a little bit earlier or a little, with a little more confidence and all of a sudden a couple of things come off and it just snowballs. And with teams being closer, I think, overall, um, you, you, you get situations where that happens and all of a sudden, you, like you said, you're three or four goals down and, and what do you mean we're three or four goals down? We're supposed to be winning this game. And then you've got to switch on to try and catch up, and it's it's just harder to do. It's not not a good excuse, yeah. but uh, it, but it happens. Yeah, but it's a common sense ones as well, and it's the same in any level of footy that any of us have played anywhere. That you, um, if you don't come out switched on at the start, the team that you're expecting to beat sort of sticks with you. The longer they stick with you, the more confidence they get and the more they sort of grow and, and the harder they make it, the harder it becomes for you to shake them and the longer they the uh, the longer they sort of hang tough, the more chance they they give themselves, their confidence grows, it just all snowballs. Um, yep. Yep. I'm just not sure if the pattern from them doing it, why teams are doing it to us so well this year, is the the frustrating well, part. I've got a, I've got a bit of a, I've got a bit of a theory that, I'm, while I've come up with it, I'm not sure I actually subscribe to it. But uh, obviously, I, I I think it's more attitudinal. But I was just sort of thinking back on it, where you know, if you're if, when you're a top eight side, you you tend to focus more on yourself a little bit. And sort of what you control, what you do well, you know, what your plans are and what your structures are and so forth. And I'm just wondering whether, you know, a, a St Kilda, which is more of an up and coming sort of side, Carlton, who are, you know, an up and coming side, um, you know, the Pies, you know, probably a little bit the same boat, um, whether they have the luxury of concentrating more on what we do opposed to what they do themselves. And they sit there and think, okay, well, we reckon like this, 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 this. Let's unimplement that at the expense of what we do, and if we can turn it and get on early. I mean, the the game against Collingwood was lost in effectively ten minutes of the first quarter, um, just from the way that they were really sort of crashing in, and it was like they were just all they were doing was really sort of forcing the ball forward. You know, there wasn't a huge amount of, you know, it's probably a bit of a disservice to say that there wasn't a huge amount of structure and so forth behind it, but you know, the intent was just to try and just move the ball their way as best they could. Um, and you know, were they doing it because they thought, well, this is how we can try and beat you along, as opposed to other top eight sides that are trying to go, well, this is how we play, and maybe we counter the top eight sides a bit better because of that versus a bottom eight side that can just afford to say, you know, this game we're just concentrating on trying to shut them down and taking them out of the game. I mean, Seb Ross's job on Dangerfield was, was pretty good when you sort of look at it as a one-on-one, head-to-head type battle. You know, I mean, do I, do I think that that's probably the case? No, but you know, maybe there might be something there. Mm. Oh, is that me? Okay. Um, hey, no, I, that's the right way, don't <laughs> No, that's quite no, that's possible. all right. Have some think time. No, no, no. clip out any silences anyway, so it's all right, mate. Right. The uh, sure you will. The um, 
it's probably the best explanation for uh, for us not playing well that I've heard in a long time. Yeah. I mean, we just and and credit to St Kilda. I don't want to make it sound like you know St Kilda just rolled up and, and did what they wanted. They uh, they pantsed us, and credit to them. But we've got to make sure that that just does not happen again. And um, hopefully this week we'll uh, see an example of being switched on from, you know, the very start. Yep, and that's a good point, Daz, that I was just about to make. We need to look forward now to this week. Um, we play the Swans, who are up in the top four, I think, aren't they? Third, fourth-ish? Yeah, they're up there. I should have probably checked this before we... Uh, before we came on, but it's, we, we're playing the Swans at home tomorrow, 7.50, um, or by the time I get this uploaded, it'll probably be tonight, so um, we have the luxury of doing this on a Thursday, we have the luxury of the teams having been announced, so we can actually um, discuss what is actually the actual changes and uh, what's actually happening instead of just speculating on it all, so... Ins for Geelong. Uh, Darcy Lang returns after two games in the VFL, I think. Um, and then a couple of big ins. Nakia Cockatoo has been named to play based on big a footy half zone. two weeks ago. Big Footy Zone, that's it. Big Footy Zone, Nakia Cockatoo has been... Um, named after a half in the twos a couple of weeks ago and what hopefully turns out to be a feel-good story uh, Mitch Clark was making his long-awaited comeback after well when did he go down about round nine I think from memory last year sounds about right he's yeah. had year, four games in the twos and has performed pretty well in all of them I think the conditions did suit him that well the last one but he's been very good before that so he has earned his chance and uh, gets a chance under the lights tomorrow night the outs um, Corey Gregson which is probably to be expected with with Lang or Cockatoo in I would have thought but then a couple of uh, interesting changes in or omissions in uh, Reece Stanley and um, Shane Kirsten now Daz We've noticed that you do have a bit of a fondness for, for Shane Kirsten. Um, Guys are right. How have you taken the news that he's dropped, and what are your thoughts, basically, on the changes as a whole? Um, well, I'll deal with Kirsten quickly. Um, hasn't been playing well enough, basically. Um, so he needs to, uh, like Lang, had to go back to the uh, to the VFL and, and polish up some things. I, I have no doubt that that's what... Uh, the message to, to Kirsten is, and um, whether he does it or not is up to him. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how he responds to that. Um, I'm happy people. Um, but as, as long as we get the results, it doesn't matter who's out there. If you're not, you're not performing, uh, given chances, you, uh, you've got to go back. So that makes perfect sense to me. Um, I'm surprised a little bit with Stanley um, in that who's going to be doing the ruck work uh, in conjunction with uh, with Zach Smith, that'll be interesting to see whether Clark actually gets to play some of that, or are they going to roll Blitz into it? Um, Gregson, uh, again with Lang coming in, uh, or with Cockatoo coming in, not necessarily too much of a shock there. Um, although with uh, with Cocky, I'm surprised, and I posted this that um, after a, a half of footy that was the second half game, um, a little surprised that they've gone straight in, but. Again, they know more about his performance and and have a lot more information uh, at their fingertips than I do. So, I guess we'll see how it works out. Pivo, to use a to use a well worn uh, big footy trope, he must be rated internally. <laughs> <laughs> Gold. Pivo, what are your thoughts on the changes? Uh, look, I'm. Uh, I was a bit disappointed that you didn't include one of the big ins as a card carrying member of the Darcy Lang fan club. But, I, don't, um, I don't mean to undersell him at all. But <laughs> nah. Um, look, I, I'm. I'm pretty pretty happy with Clark Lang and Cockatoo coming in. Um, as you said, Kirsten and Stanley, as two of the outs, were definitely 
interesting. I uh, when I saw it, uh, I definitely raised the eyebrows a bit. I thought it was going to be between one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so for both of them to go out, um, I, I sort of wonder whether it's next of a late change um, potentially. But that's we love that conspiracy theory as well. So um, yeah, look, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's hard to say. I mean. I guess they expect they think Clark probably can hold up and sort of back Smith up in the ruck. The Swans um, are sort of down a ruckman though at the moment because Tippett had been playing. Tippett's out. Yeah. Tippett had been playing as their their number one ruckman, and but didn't they drop Curvis? Yeah, then Curvis is out. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's trying. I don't know. Maybe paralleling them a little bit. I'm, I'm not sure. I should. I can touch on the the swans. Um, the swans changes while we're at it. They've got Teddy Richards uh, in, Alia Alia in. Who he's a tall defender, isn't he? So they've brought in two tall defenders, um, and Papley and Naismith in and out. Uh, Jeremy Laidler, uh, Nankervis, Benny McGlynn's been dropped, and Isaac Heaney is being managed. Uh, well, no, I, really, Heaney. I really rate Heaney, so I'm pretty okay with him not uh, being there. Absolutely. I reckon he's yeah, a jet, I think, so. I think Nathan run through the ruck, so maybe they've just replaced Stan Curvis with Naismith yeah. um, in that regard. Um, they do have Heaney, um, Callum Sinclair as well that they picked up yeah. from the Eagles last year, who obviously rough for him. Yeah, um, Heaney obviously being out is is handy. I mean, you know that kid obviously can play. Um, ben McGlynn, I, I must admit, I haven't really watched much of the Swans. Um, seeing, so seeing McGlynn omitted was a bit strange. But then maybe he's been playing shit house, and I just haven't been paying attention. So, um, but obviously Ted Rich is coming back's pretty pretty good in for them as well. So, um, yeah, and Papley's Papley's been playing all right, hasn't mm. he? Uh, you know. um, they, I haven't seen much of the Sorry, I haven't seen much of the VFL. Has Clarky been um, Clark been doing much ruck work in the VFL in the four games he's had? He's done a little bit, but but not well, not thought, a not a 50-50 kind I of thing. I wouldn't think a fifty-fifty thing, it's but seventy thirty some surely. I wouldn't be surprised to see sort of Smith take the lion's share of it. Clark maybe pinch hit for a bounce a quarter or, and he'll probably take the forward the forward line stuff sure. and, and blitz halves potentially rolling through as well but Smith's best game this year in my opinion was against GWS in Geelong where Stanley didn't play and I was pretty concerned going into that game about Mummy basically after what he'd done to the first time done to us the first time Mm. Um, and Smith was outstanding that game. So, um, you know, for all we know, he could be one of those the types that responds well to being number one and, and sort of having to do the bulk of it himself as well. Well, I guess we're going to find out this week. Yeah, and Sydney's just a, um, oh, just my two cents worth on the changes before I go on. I wonder if it potentially is a bit weather-related maybe as well I obviously live in Geelong and we've had like heavy rain the last three days like non-stop heavy rain Um, so I don't think it's meant to rain tomorrow but it's still going to be heavy ground you know there'll be moisture in the ground still it'll be slippery Um, there'll be bodies crashing and bashing everywhere and I am wondering if Clark in they've taken and they've put two really zippy sort of but players that are hard as well in Lang and Cocky that will can still crash and bash and they'll throw themselves in but they're also pretty um, fleet of foot I'm wondering if that's to balance out the, the Clark in and right. then that's why they've also dropped a, one of the other they've dropped two bigger blokes but that was my initial feeling, but I'm also fully aware of the fact that Stanley and Kirsten move pretty well for the sizes that they are. So that was that was just my 
my speculation, that's what I was wondering, basically. Um, as as you said, people could just maybe there's potentially it smacks of a late change, and it looks like the Swans, with Aaliyah and Richards coming in, have picked a team to defend. I think they were assuming we'd be a bit taller, maybe we'd be a bit taller. But Laidler's they've Laidler's they've two they've brought in two key tall defenders and dropped one tall defender, so mm. they thought um, that we would have. Hawkins, Clark, and Stanley or Kirsten, and so they they brought in the bigger boys. So I wouldn't be surprised potentially to see a late change from their end either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. possible. I mean, I Towers I, is tallish, isn't he? As yeah, well, yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, could be right. So, hope, where do we? What do you see us having to do to beat them? Whoever wants to go first, just the good yeah, kick straight, and they've got to come out straight away and be switched on. You can't give them a sniff. Cannot give them a sniff. That doesn't mean you have to come out and kick, you know, 12 goals in the first quarter or anything, but you've just got to be got to be on the game. To beat Sydney, you've got to win the ball at the coalface as well. Right. I reckon. They love the contested footy. Um, and you've got to be able to beat them there because if you let them... You know, Hanabry, Parker, Kennedy, Jack, those guys sort of push you around in the middle and win the footy. Um, they're going to sort of control the game how they want to. You're in for a long day. And if they're doing that, there's every chance that they're giving Buddy some pretty good opportunities. And, um, and he's the top of play. We don't want really to be having any good opportunities, so... Well, we, we don't know how Buddy's going to go down at Cadenia Park because it's his first truth there, apparently. No, I think I got someone that he played there in his first year or so, didn't he, when Hawthorne used to still travel? Oh, really? Okay, I missed I that. Believe. My bad. But he might have been... He might have. He might not have been playing, I can't remember. But it was when he was... When he's been in the Hawthorne squad, they've played at Geelong. Um, the key with him is I know... People will say Lonergan. Lonergan will get him. Lonergan will get him. If it depends on the how Buddy plays, as in how he approaches the game, because Lonergan did beat him many a time the last few years at Hawthorne, but for some stupid reason that was because, well, that was because for some stupid reason Buddy used to just stand there and try to wrestle him. Right. And that's not that's playing more to Lonergan's strength, where he can grapple and this is just my my take on it, obviously. Um, but if if Buddy actually got on his bike and ran around, then he would Dom, smash. Dom's in, oh, Dom's yeah. is in for a world of trouble if yeah, if Buddy does that. On that one. So I'm hoping that Buddy decides that he needs to wrestle for the game. Um, he's he's my biggest worry, really, as well as winning the ball at the coalface. Buddy's the the biggest concern because if he has a if he gets his tail up. He can turn nothing chances into goals. Well, I think his opportunities obviously stem from what the Sydney midfield is doing as well. And like you said, if if you let them get it out quick, and he looks up, or they look up and see him moving forward, you know, and Domsey half a step behind, it's it's going to be a long day. Yeah. So that directly relates back to making sure that you know the mids are are not giving them free ball and letting them get out easy and quick. Yep, absolutely. Pivo, apart from kicking straight. Yeah, uh, there was a dynamite drop in. Um, look, uh, just just looking at the team, um, Franklin seems to be their main avenue. Yep. I mean, they're, they're, they're sort of, obviously they probably won't line up the way that they've been named, but um, you know, they're, they're pretty small. Um, and you sort of think Franklin's going to be the main guy, which might, potentially make them pretty predictable. Um, so you wonder whether you know, your, your Enrights and, you know, um, Ackies and so forth might just sweat off the men a little bit and sort of give a bit of a chop out and help out, you know, guys like, you know, Taylor, I guess if he starts at centre forward, you would think Taylor might get him. If he goes to full forward, you obviously Lonergan will get him. But, um, you know, when it's all said and done, I actually reckon Henderson's a guy that should go to him. 
was was just wondering whether they were going to try something like that, whether uh, whether Henderson would get a uh, a shot at him to start with, just to just just to make things different because, like you said, Willow, Buddy, and 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 Domji have kind of been uh, a regular sparring partners uh, over the years. Maybe just change it up a little bit and see uh, see how that goes. Yeah, and I don't think it necessarily matters who's on him because if he's yeah. if he's on, there's not a player that can stop him anyway. So. It's about like almost minimising the damage, then, and try and cut the ball off at the source so that it doesn't, you know, cut the supply off. So, it... if we if we think it's been uh, uh, just changing tack a little bit, if we think it's been a, a heavy ground, um, do you think the the Swans game against the Doggies um, that was a fairly intense game, um, and if it is a bit heavy underfoot, maybe that'll come into into play later on. A bit of fatigue setting in. Well, they do have the six-day break as well. After a tough game, six-day break and travelling interstate while we've had two weeks off to think about what we've done, basically. So, (laughs) (laughs) sit in the naughty corner and think about what we've done. Um, So, I don't know. I mean, once the draw comes out, they all... They plan for every, you know... Every day, almost for the years, already planned for them and their recovery and everything like that. But um, I'm certainly happier that we should have the fresher side. And we've been finishing off games well in the last quarter anyway. Um, but if it's tight, come you know three quarter time, you really we should be we should be reasonably comfortable or, or back our ability in to run over them. Here's hoping. Yeah, so. They're, they're a top eight side. They haven't had a huge amount of success down at Geelong, so you know it all, in theory, bodes pretty well for us to um, get over the top of them. Absolutely. Now we've got a few other, um, a few other issues that we wanted to touch on uh, this week's show as well. Um, and in our planning, they were, the the way we were going to discuss them and the headlines and the titles for them were beautifully put by Pivo. So I'm stealing your work here, mate, as we introduce our next sort of topics. Um, firstly, Stephen Motlop, misunderstood genius or lazy prick? Where do we where do we stand on on uh, Mr. Motlop and his and how he's going at the moment? Oh, Pivo, you wrote the you wrote the headline, so I'll let you start with this one. Oh, um, yay! I, I <laughs> yeah, I probably I, I, I probably sit on the fence a little bit here. Um, he he is one of the most maddening players uh, I've had the misfortune to love. I think <laughs> he um <laughs> he. he some of the things he does, you just, you know, you shake your head at and you just go, my God, you know, there, there would be like maybe, you know, five or six players that can actually do that. And then on the other hand, you know, you shake your head and go, oh, he's done a motlop. Um, you know, he's, his best, some of his best games this year have been standout. I don't think, you know, there's too much doubt about that. But then when he puts in a shocker, they really are a shocker. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, and and they've been in the losses. I mean, so is he almost like a true barometer of the the side? Um, because I'm pretty sure all his really bad games have been in games we've lost. Does it also maybe show is it value to the team that when he is up and about, which obviously you know proves the barometer the theory but if when he's up and about and playing well that we're obviously a much better team as well which is i think it's probably a no-brainer it's obviously a guess but it's the consistency i think is the or lack of it that makes the makes it so frustrating because you look at him and go you know I, I, there was a period there where i was calling him centimeters motlop it's like he's centimeters away from pulling off something brilliant and if he gets it done, everyone's like, how good is Mods? And then you know, the flip side of that is he misses something or does something silly and misses it by a little bit, ball turnover, goes back the other way, they kick a goal, you sit there and go, Mods, what the hell are you doing? Um, and handball to Hawkins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
well, the other thing, I mean, yeah, I mean, when he's not going well and things aren't working for him and he tries to stiff arm his way out of tackles, Mott, Mott says many things, but delivering stiff arms is not something that I, I, I think he should really be doing. Um, Jake Stringer, you know, in the when we played him, delivered two stiff arms and, and pushed off and, and got a great clearance on the boundary, I think, that Edda had. Um, and was off and running, and, and it was just like that's how you do it, Mots. You shouldn't be trying to deliver stiff arms. Caddy and, and those guys can do it. Something when he's when it's not happening for him, and he's trying to throw stiff arms, it just it just spirals out of control in a downward fashion. I he think he needs a stiff upper lip other than a stiff arm. <laughs> I think he's a. He's I mean, such... does, do do you guys reckon he? Do you reckon he gets the sooks every now and then? Oh, he drops the bottom lip. Yeah, the toys come out of the pram a couple of times. I reckon. Yeah. Um, he, I, I want to say he and Guthrie got into it a little bit. There was a, there was a post that noted some um, angst, or at least it was from the some, Je- I believe that was from Jester. Jester. Yeah. Um, an exchange between Guthrie and, and Motts on the boundary when Motts kind of started pushing and shoving with one of the dogs players. I think I don't I can't remember who it was. And Guthrie kind of came over and just gave him a bit of a, a look and said something. I don't know what was said, but it, it didn't come across as, hey, Mots, that was great. I um I get infuriated with him because his best is so good and his worst is so bad. And you know what he's capable of that's so good. But I think... I don't want to say... I don't want to say he's mentally weak... But I think he lets things get to him a bit more than he probably should, or or easier than he should, if that's the right term. Like he gets, he seems that when people um, push and shove him and get into him and and scrag him and tackle him a bit, he sort of lets it get to him a bit too much and just loses. He either loses his focus and just wants to push and shove and fight, or he just sort of sulks off and, and skirts around the outside and doesn't actually do anything, just sort of runs around in circles for the for the game. Um, so I think it's, I don't know if it's just an attitude thing or if it's just just a bit of his personality. I'm not sure what it is, but he's obviously a confidence player as well, and when he's up and about, he's, you know, he looks like he can walk on water, basically, the way he plays. Like, Pivo, you said that he does stuff where there's you look at it and you go, there's only about five players in the league that could do that. And he makes it look ridiculously easy. And then, but if it's not working for him, he looks like he'd struggle to get a kick in the, you know, Leopold reserves. So, <laughs> um, and that's why he's such a polarizing player. Should he have been dropped? Nah, I, I I don't know that. I don't know you can take the the potential exposed form as how good he can be. I don't know that you can just after some plateauing games to be to be nice. Um, I I don't know that he's ready to go back to the VFL yet. I I, I think getting away for the buy, clearing his head, coming back. If he if he doesn't show up again this week. I think it's going to be harder to not send him back, but I don't think this was the game and the environment to send him back this week. It's interesting, though. I don't think that he's beyond or above getting dropped in the absolutely in the eyes not. of the coaching staff at the moment. I don't think if you if you sort of I, I can't remember where I heard it or I followed it, but there was I think it was on SEN or or I heard somewhere that they. Like Chris Scott wasn't happy, hasn't been happy with his last few weeks, and has yeah. clearly stated that. So it's uh, he'd I did he'd want to play well tomorrow, or he might if he has a sort of a repeat of of last the game against St Kilda. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if he was sent back for a week. To put it that way, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's. I mean, his form, sort of, his first three rounds this year were pretty average, and then he hit he got on all his Australian form for about three or four weeks, and then 
Carlton pushed in, or Carlton, the, sort of his drop-off started when we lost those two games with Collingwood and Carlton, I think. And he sort of just hasn't yep. hasn't really yep. gotten back into it since then. Well, I, I think teams might have realised that if you do put a bit of work into him, like Carlton did, um, that it doesn't necessarily react to it well. And, uh, you know, I think they've kind of gone, hmm, let's stick with this theory. Uh, and it's it's so far it's been working, so it's it's definitely up to him to uh, to get back into his get his mojo back, so to speak, and and that's why I think they kind of let him go this week and um, say, okay, you've had a break, you've had a chance to get away, come back in and um, turn it on from the from the first bounce. Yep. And now, I mean, on if the... you want, um, if, if if you want some sort of damning comments from sort of. I guess outside the bubble a little bit. Um, you know, you go to that great bastion of SEN inside football and, you know, they sat there and said, you know, the description in the Collingwood game he played one goal from three effective disposals in the first half and ended with five for the game. Yeah. Horror day. Carlton, Blues attacked him physically and he couldn't handle it. Only cat not to lay a tackle. Yeah. And the, the not laying a tackle was pretty damning as well because I remember last year, I think it was, early on, there was a lot of discussion about Motlop almost being like a you know, downhill skier. Um, mm. And there was arguments saying about, oh, yeah, but his pressure acts are up. You know, he, he's you know, doing the work, but he's just not getting the disposals. And, you know, I was sort of like, well, I, I think for me, I'd rather the ball in Motlop's hand rather than him chasing around trying to lay tackles. But when you have a guy and he doesn't even lay a tackle, has his work rate type thing. Uh, and does that is that indicative of what happens when if things aren't going his way, it just the whole effort just drops right away. It's a frustrating one. I dare say, well, average Joe public, we can say what we think, but the the work rate issue would be answered by the little GPS that he's got in his jumper. And I dare say that the the match committee and the coaching staff are looking, and if they're seeing no tackles, but they're seeing, you know, 18K ran and and just runs high-intensity running from 50 to 50, and, and and in the footage they see him, you know, making contests and just not getting there. They're probably a bit more forgiving of it, but if he's just sort of plodding around, and this is obviously all the data that we don't have any access to, uh, any insight into, but you'd imagine that in the position of a player like this, they'd also be looking at every little thing, including, um, you know, his readings for that type of stuff, just to see if they think he is working hard, just in his in his unrewarded running, as they say, as well. I've given Mott's, you know, on the board when he's been when he's been down, I've given him a shellacking. Uh, I don't get to see, obviously, outside the screen because I'm uh, ge- <laughs> geographically challenged. Um, but there was one instance, uh, and I want to say it was either the St Kilda game, uh, maybe the week before, but the opposition were, were carrying the ball down wing and you could see the camera shot and it was basically across the centre. Um, and in, in the foreground, slightly out of focus, you could see Stephen Motlop walking through the middle as, or, or really slowly jogging through the middle as the ball's been carried by the opposition down the wing. And it's like, well... You, it's cherry picking obviously um, but if you're really in a defensive mindset and you're really putting in effort get your ass down and, and, and help your uh, help your defenders out get an extra body down there as that ball's getting down now I'm, I know there's defensive structures and there's positioning you don't want to get sucked too far down and all that sort of stuff but it just wasn't a good look is the you know the point I was getting at so Again, I, I don't get to see the stuff live, so I can't see what else he's doing out of the screenshot, but it just on that one particular thing didn't look good. Yep. In terms of reflection of work rate, anyway. And whilst we are on the topic of, um, well, under underperforming players or players that are potentially in the gun or being questioned, it would be... We have to basically cover the, uh, the topic of Nathan Vardy, um, as Pivo put it, is he looking for love in all the wrong places? <laughs> <laughs> and obviously referring to the rumours, talk, recent newspaper articles that 
there's a few teams inquiring on his services, um, that he's apparently not happy with his opportunities or lack of. Um, and one of the teams mentioned was GWS, Pivo, you said, I think. And... Uh, yeah, amongst, as, uh, amongst a couple. Apparently. As interested in him, which we sort of think is probably the worst possible fit. We can't see any way that he fits into GWS, considering they've probably got about 15 key position forwards that are all first-round draft picks. So um, I suppose I've I've only, I've only seen Vards a couple of times just in the twos, and he's been seriously underwhelming. Um, if he's unhappy about the lack of senior opportunities, it's probably he probably needs to have a look at the fact that he hasn't been playing any good. Um, and, and sort of the buck stops with him in that sense. But I suppose what do we, Daz? What's your take on the Nathan Vardy situation? Where do you see it? Um, I think he's in. I mean, it's all up to him at this point. But I think he could be in a bit of trouble because um, if you look at, what is he, 24, 25 now? Yeah, maybe um, about that. 25. And, um, 25, 24 on the list for six or seven years. Um, I, I think a certain amount of latitude has to be given for recovering from the ACL. And I know there's a 24 an issue. Um, but it does seem to, or 23, whatever it was, it, it takes people, it seems to take people the season after they do the ACL, then they come back that whole year that their back is a bit of a write-off. They just don't seem to come back quickly well from ACLs. Smith at the same level. Um, they came back after he popped his and, and didn't do much and found himself wandering around the knee full, um, which worked out well for us. Um, but I think there's a condition there. But form-wise, he's got a... I mean, he's just got to pull the finger out and get more. Um, going back to my thinking, he's in trouble. Tom Reed on our list... Um, I've seen him play a couple times in the VFL, 200 centimetres, five years younger than, than Vard, so a lot uh, a lot more time left in, in him. Um, mobile guy, in my opinion, better hands marking than Vardy. Um, Vard seems to need glasses sometimes because he just, just doesn't grab things first clunk. Um, I think there's a bit of internal pressure coming on him and, the, and, he, and he's feeling it. Um, Lucy's... Again, a long way off talent-wise, um, but again, seems to be doing better in some VFL games late than what Vardy's doing, and Vardy, with the pedigree and experience, should be doing better. Mm, Pivo, what's your take on Mr Vardy? Uh, yeah, look, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Vard's. Um, I'm not sure why I should be a big fan of him, but I am a big fan of him, um, but... Yeah, you know, he, he he's one of those guys that you you watch him, and I just wonder sometimes whether it's myself and maybe other people who are of the same thinking have been sucked in by how he looks as opposed to what he does. Um, I mean, he just looks like he should be a great footballer. Yeah, you know, he just he's got seems to have all the attributes. You know, when he's moving, he moves well. He seems to fly for the ball. Um, you know, he, he's not a bad kick. Um, but Luke, Luke you then go back and massive rap for him. Oh, well, maybe that's the death knell then. Um, <laughs> but the, um, you know, but you then go back and look at look at the stats, and he, he doesn't really do much. You know, uh, as you know, we've got guys on the board who have pointed this out, and you know, they sort of get smacked down a little bit. But I mean, you know. The stats are there. You know, they're there to, for people to read, and you know it's not like they really are moving or trending upwards at a great rate or not. So he sort of hovers around that what ten touches a game, and you know maybe what, seventeen or twenty hitouts, you know, type thing. And but when you look at him, you think, man, this guy could seriously just when everything clicks, and if he can get a free run at it, he could seriously just tear a game apart. But is he ever going to actually tear a game apart? Well, you look at um, who's the is it Tom Lynch for Gold Coast? Um, yep. he, I mean, he's a he's a big bloke, mobile, plays as a great forward, um, does a little bit of ruck work here and there. 
um, is young, 21, whatever. But I, I think this dimensions-wise, you know, he and Vardy are kind of similar sizes. Um, and it's like, well, I'm not – Lynchwood, I think, was a first-round picker. I'm much higher picked than what Vardy was. Um, but it's it's like this is what you could be, this is what you are. Can you can you bridge the gap between the two? And it's kind of frustrating to see sometimes that he just he doesn't get there or close to it. It's. I mean, is, is the issue really that the fact that he's had so many injuries and you know he had the hip, he had the knee, that he's never really going to be the player that we perhaps hoped and expected he's going to be or is distinctly he, possible is what yeah. we're seeing pretty much is that it you know regardless of the injuries that's it you know that's that's the kind of guy he is you know he struggles to you know is it just me or does he seem to struggle to hold his grabs you know um you know he seems to fly for the ball pretty impressively but he doesn't really seem to bring the ball to you know down that well um i don't know he's 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 another one of those sort of maddening players for me because I, I, I'm a massive fan of him and you sort of see little bits of glimpses here and there of what he does, but then he goes off and he, you know, I mean, his he's form in the VFL ball of cancer has been putrid. The one game I saw, which was on telly, he looked ordinary and I was sort of left thinking, is this, is, you know, is this the same guy? You know, it, yeah, you know, I mean, did I did I completely misread the way he is? And it's not like he hasn't. If he is sort of annoyed at lack of opportunity and stuff, at the same time, it's not. It's though they don't want to pick him. You know, some players you sort of just think, no matter how good they're going to be, they just don't. They just don't push their way and they don't get picked. Vardy's been given plenty of games where he probably hasn't warranted it, and. The fact that Clark's come back, played four games, and they've brought him in, and probably, ideally, he's playing the role that they would have liked Vardy to to take and to step up and take. And Vardy's had the first half of the year playing pretty much every week. Um, I know they've still, you know, he had a foot injury at the start of the year and stuff, but he only missed one or two games. So it's and he came off a full preseason. So it's it's he's still basically has been playing pretty much every week in the twos and he hasn't grasped the opportunity. Um, so I'm I'm starting to wonder if maybe he just isn't good enough. Well, I mean, I, I don't think it helps too when you got... Was it Tim House was playing in the VFL? Was it was a 23rd, 23rd player or something like that came in and was on the, the one VFL game that I saw that was online was clunking everything. I mean, he took like five or six pack marks and and was kicking goals and stuff like that and it's like well who's this bloke coming in but we can't get Vardy you know Vardy should be making him look bad and it was the other way around you know what I mean it just he didn't seem to be taking his opportunities and I'm not sure if the bottom lips hit the ground a little bit um, and he's kind of lost motivation or uh, again I'm, I'm looking at all this from far far away so it's hard for me to tell you blokes that have a, a better angle on it than me but just I don't know it, it just you just missing at the moment. He, he needs to needs to get on his bike because the uh, sand's going through the airglass pretty quick. I think <laughs> that's a pretty uh... just, just quickly on it. Um, and I, I just want to correct myself a little bit because I probably oversold his ruck work a little bit by saying he had about twenty hitouts a game when it's actually down around eleven. But when I was comparing, I, like I was just looking at the the stats, and I know probably the three of us aren't massive stats guys, but I mean, Nathan Vardy and Reese Stanley to me seem to be a pretty good comparison to sort of work against. I mean, they're both, you know, they're sure. both about the same age, um, both about the same height, both about the same weight. Um, you know, obviously Stanley's played a lot more games than, than Vardy has, but um, I mean, if, if you were sort of just without looking at anything, and who would you say Reese Stanley has sort of improved and is you know, looking good and yeah, you're pretty happy with where, he, where he's at and you like what he's bringing to the table for us. Um, if you think that way, I mean, Stanley, over his career, just, you know, his average disposal is a 10, Vardy's at 8. Um, 
you know, marks, he doubles the marks, which kind of falls in with what we think with Vardy, that he doesn't seem to be able to grab the ball as well as he can. But Vardy lays more tackles. Vardy has more hit-outs. Um, you know, it's, it's, you sort of look at it and you go, gee, they actually stack up pretty well. And yet you've got Stanley, which people this season are saying, hey, yeah, you know, he was a good pick-up and he's doing pretty well. And Vardy's rubbish. And yet career-wise, even though one's played a lot less games than the other, there's not a huge amount between them. I mean, they were even picked in the 40s when they were drafted originally. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah, I'm kind of sitting here taking that in going... Uh... But I suppose it's more about what Vardy's doing at the moment. Mm. And Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you've well, got the almost like the stats and then you've got the eye test. And the yeah. eye test says to you, Stanley's doing all right. And he's sort of projecting upwards. Yep. Barty just looks terrible. Yeah, I, I didn't. I thought Stanley's game against St Kilda was was reasonable. I didn't think it was uh, wasn't his best game, but it, but it certainly wasn't his worst. I thought he was good. He took a couple yeah, of big strong like, marks. He had nineteen or 20, like nineteen touches. Yeah, I, I only know that because I read that somewhere before because someone. Uh, on my Twitter was questioning, saying he was very stiff to be dropped. And um, uh, that, that was your research. It was pretty ordinary research, against mate. North and the Bulldogs, though. Yeah. He's, um... Yeah, he was very ordinary against uh, against North. Bugger, he cost me the title in the knockout goal-kicking comp. So, <laughs> dirty on him for that. So... See, these are the, these are the big issues. Yeah, it's the important stuff. But I agree. He was. I went to that North game, and he was bloody hopeless. Tarrant absolutely smashed him. Stanley was having such a dirty night that night that if he'd run into the goal square in an open goal, he would have missed the ball. Like, that's just how bad he was going. So, um, you mean like like Mots and Menzel did? Yeah. So it's just um, just just to, just on Mots's defence there. That wasn't Mots's fault. No, well, it was it was all of their fault. Mott shouldn't yeah. have called for it. Menzel shouldn't have handballed it. Yeah, I, I I'm in the camp of I think Menz was trying to do Mott's a solid by giving him a cheapie and getting him giving him some confidence and getting him into the game, and it just fell apart horrendously. But you shouldn't if a, one of your Agreed. key Agreed. Forward, if one of your main forwards marks the ball twenty eight, you don't run past calling for a cheap handball. You just let them go back and kick the goal because they're going to be having more shots at it than you anyway. So you want them getting their confidence up and feeling good about themselves and kicking lots of goals. Agreed. Exactly. Anyway, we've probably we've gone well over time um, for what I. Well, just 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 quickly on it though, and I know you want yeah, to wrap mate. it up, but with with Vardy though, if he, if we are to trade him out, what do what do we think he's worth? Oh, couldn't be much. There's yeah, it, there's such a wide and varied opinion. As I read somewhere, someone saying Walker, we got a, a third round pick for Walker basically, yeah. and he was playing right. senior footy at the time. So if he plays, if Vardy doesn't get into the senior team this year, we don't really have a position to make any demands on on trades, do we? Well, I think he's out of contract too. He's out of contract, and if clubs knowing that, and if Essendon want him, for example, Essendon won't even do anything. Essendon will offer us their last pick, and if they we don't take it, they'll pick him up in the preseason draft. So, if, yep, they, yep. if they want him, for example, you know, like it's we've got no leverage, um, which seems to be a common theme when players want to leave us, but uh, we've got no real leverage if he's not playing senior footy we've got even less to try and demand anything um so i'd i wouldn't think we'd get much which is a bit of a if nothing else is sort of it's a waste on an investment in all the years and time um that he's had but at the same time you look at a player like cowan who's probably in the same boat probably done at the end of this year after if, if, not, if he doesn't get in there yeah if if he if he get, if he goes if he gets hurt again it's done, and uh, I, I've been I, I've been a Cowan fan for a while, but I'm at the call at the start of the year. It's like it's it's this year or or nothing, and so far it's it's sadly been nothing. So I think it's uh, I think it's going to be curtains at the end of the year for him. 
Yeah, so I mean, if they, if they don't make, if they don't get in the senior team, how can you turn around and demand a good pick or something from the team that on a player that you haven't even played in your top side? I just no, yeah. you can't. I, I don't think we've got much to sort of. I don't think if we get anything half decent, we'd be probably pretty happy. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, we, I think we're pretty much trying to trade him on potential at the moment. The danger is Mitch Clark and what happens with him. The the, the downside of that is, yeah, I, I like exactly where you're going, Willow. If Clark stays fit, if Clark stays fit um, and burns this half of the year and he's in a good headspace, he's got twins on the way that are only about 10 weeks away or so, you know, like... Everything's rolling nicely for him. He could, we could get a, a few years out of him, and he could be could be fine. Whilst another one underneath this is developing, but if Clark pops a muscle again in the next four weeks, and then something happens to Vardy or Vardy's cracked the sads, by then all of a sudden we're um, we're in a pretty difficult spot with not much else below apart from you know Hawk the sole sole man down there and then I mean there's other options you can always look at playing Stanley as a centre half forward and, and developing your other Ruckman and things like that but it certainly puts us in a lot worse position than we are currently in and one we don't really want to be in not a, not an enviable position when you're literally one one muscle tweak away from uh, you know uh, well I don't want to say Armageddon but being in a very 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 unhappy place. Yeah, and it's the unreliability that both of those players have had in the last few years that gives probably everyone no confidence in in what's going to happen. You're sort of just crossing your fingers and hoping for the best. Yeah, it's going to be uh, seeing how Clark goes. It's it's going to be very very interesting to watch. All right, boys, that will probably do us because I've ran a bit over time of what I was planning so and we didn't even get to all the topics we were going to talk about something else that we didn't even get to um, that's right we'll save it for next time um, lastly before I go just one final thing if you've got a tip or any thoughts or anything you're looking forward to seeing uh, tomorrow Daz uh, us by uh, probably two goals yep Pivo uh, yeah, I reckon two or three for us. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing Mitch Clark get out there as well. I'm big. I'm, I am a big Mitch Clark fan, um, so I'm hoping he you know, he plays pretty well and uh, you know he, he doesn't you know there's no problems or anything like that. he gets through the game without any problems and jags a couple and you know he's moving well. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. Yep, uh, I'm in the same. I think uh, obviously Mitch Clark will be. Great to see. Hopefully, it'd be nice if he gets an early touch or an early goal, even if it is someone gifting one off. Um, sure. Not from 20 metres out, but, you know, if <laughs> if someone looks after him, basically, um, much like how they did against Hawthorne last year, um, I reckon it'd be pretty good. If he gets an early goal, the crowd will really get going and uh, you'll see 18 Geelong players run down and, uh, get around him, which should be good to see. Apparently, um, it's a to sell out too. I believe so. I believe so. so. I've been sent, I think, three emails and about two or three text messages just to double it, the, just by the club, just making sure that I know I can sell my on sell my seat if I don't want to go. So, uh, I assume there's a bit of a squeeze on for seats. Um, I actually reckon I'm surprised if we win by about five goals. Um, we just seem to have a habit of it, Geelong, of it making it a bit more comfortable than you'd sort of expect. Like that game against GWS, if we'd kick straight, we'd belting them. So, um, and I don't really feel like sitting there in a tense, tough game. I want to enjoy it, and hopefully we win comfortably. So, that's my tip, obviously, with a fair bit of hope in that tip. Don't, don't the Swannies have a bit of a publicity thing going on at the moment? I'm not into the old, uh, you know, stuff that happens off the field. I don't... I don't Oh, there's some issue with Kieran Jack. Kieran Jack been, and something. I haven't been following it at all, so I'm I'm not across it. I don't like giving giving airtime to all that kind of rubbish. But you know, they might be uh, either a little distracted or extremely focused as a result of it. It is his 200th game as well tomorrow. 
Great. Um, and he's a good little player. So I don't. I know we're meant to hate Sydney because of the whole Cola stuff, but I actually like a lot of the Sydney players and don't mind them uh, as a team. I like the way they play. I like the way they. Uh, I like the style of footy in a sense of just the contested hard brand of footy they play and outside I never thought I'd say it because I hated him when he was at Hawthorne but Buddy Franklin is probably the most watchable player in the comp at the moment or this year anyway probably has been for the last few years but um, apart from our Geelong players of course but um, so I actually don't mind Sydney but I hope they're rubbish tomorrow night See, because, uh, because he doesn't play for the Hawks anymore, you're able to get away with saying that about Franklin. I can admit it. We are allowed to admit it. I hated him at Hawthorne, no matter what he did, because I didn't even <laughs> take it in properly. But I can appreciate him for actually being a gun that he is at Sydney. Yeah, fair talent. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, Hanbury Parker. I mean, Luke Parker is just a... Yeah, he's great to watch. Yep. Um, and we, we potentially get to see uh, you know, that quick little redhead that's being linked to us as well now as well that's right so. that might be another topic for another show though we'll we'll do a, yeah, a show in a week or two and we'll review how we went against us especially if he stinks it up yeah or if he burns <laughs> imagine the excitement if he has a good game though oh my god and Murdoch stinks it up <laughs> <laughs> so basically what we'll hope for is a, a Cats win and Rowan to kick five <laughs> yes that's it Sensational. All right. Thank you very much for, um, well, getting up, staying up, talking with us, Daz. Thank you again very much for coming on. Absolutely. What time Pleasure is it now? Always. Half past late. Half past late? Well, you don't even uh, have to go back to bed now. Yeah, 5.30. Oh, you can, go for that run. you can go for that run you were telling us about. Yeah, might, might, just, might just go for another one. Beautiful. Good work, mate. And uh, Pivo, thank you very much for joining us. Finally. No problems. Um, which was, I'll assume the check's in the mail. Yeah, no worries. If it's not there, it's obviously just been lost, but we'll we'll chase it yep. up with Chief. He's the one that dishes those out. <laughs> no worries. No, it was good fun. All right, no worries. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Um, I've got no idea when the next show will be, so um, we'll uh, we'll get to it when we get to it. Uh, all the best everyone hope everyone enjoys tomorrow hope we have a win go cats go cats